This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI senior writer, Al Castle, back once again with my co-host, Brian Solomon. Hey, Al. I'm okay. How are you? This is uh, different. We're, we're actually uh, looking at each other because um, in addition to this being the podcast, uh, the expectation is that this is going to be released as a video because uh, it is a very special episode of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, Podcast, and that is uh, because uh, shortly we are going to be joined by our new editor-in-chief, uh, Kevin McElvaney, and uh, also our outgoing publisher, uh, Stu Sachs, uh, who by now everybody knows after uh, 41 years is calling it a career uh, in just a few days now, I think early June. Um, he's going to head out of the office for the final time. Uh, we hope to do this in person. When, when I heard about Stu's retirement, you know, my plan all along was to, to drive down to uh, Pennsylvania, maybe pick Brian up along the way. Um, obviously, uh, circumstances um, are keeping that from happening. So we've got the Zoom going on like everybody else, and um, we're going to have Stu in here in just a moment to look back on uh, a real legendary uh, career and uh, talk a bit about his decision and also talk to Kevin about what is uh, in store for the future of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Um, Brian, uh, uh, before we get into that, uh, uh, not, not a, a ton of news going on with um, obviously wrestling still kind of being on, on hold for a while, uh, but a real, real sad story this week that we would be remiss if we didn't um, touch on it uh, at least a little, and that's the death of uh, Shad Gaspard. Um, who uh, really tragically uh, died, was swept into um, the sea while, while at the beach trying, trying to save his 10-year-old son, who I guess got out too far in the water. Um, there was a couple of days there of uncertainty, um, and then um, you know everybody's kind of, uh, um, what they knew would happen, uh, I, I think, tragically did, did come to uh, reality when his body um, washed ashore. Uh, Shad was not a, a huge figure in wrestling, was never a top guy, but, but really the outpouring, I think, of uh, sentiment towards him um, really says something uh, uh, about the, the person, not necessarily the wrestler, by all accounts, just uh, a terrific guy, one of the real um, true good guys. And maybe also says something about the, the especially tragic uh, circumstances behind um, his death. This isn't certainly not a, a wrestling death as we've come to know it. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the news? Yeah, he was a very popular guy, and, and it is really shocking. Um, I, I also noticed a lot of the outpouring of love and kind of remembrances from a lot of, of let's say, wrestlers from like the last 20 years or so. Or so. There was something that um, JTG, his former tag team partner, actually posted a, a couple of days ago. It was really powerful, and it was, I guess, a text that Shad had sent him. I don't know if you saw this. I did, yeah. Apropos of nothing that I guess he had sent to him in January, just saying like, hey, by the way, if I if I happen to die tomorrow, I just want you to know that, you know, you're my brother and you're my best friend and I love you or something like that. And it was just this random kind of like thing of just kind of cherish every day. And it seems like he really, he really lived by that. He had an Instagram post too that talked about that, like every day isn't guaranteed and, you know, make the most of it and all that. 
And he seems to be someone that just kind of appreciated his life and lived it to the fullest. Um, you know, it's, it's just tragic. I had a friend who lost her father the exact same way when we were kids at the beach, swept away. The father saved her and then he got dragged under and he drowned. Same exact thing. Yeah, I, I'm terrified whenever I go to um, uh, the beach with my kids and and they go more than just a couple of feet um, because yeah. um, you, you take for granted, you know, how, how powerful um, the, the ocean can be. And um, yeah, again, you know, Shad, I don't think he's been in, in uh, uh, the national wrestling spotlight probably close to 10 years when he was uh, in WWF. You know, Crime Time was was a popular act, a controversial act. It's probably a, a discussion for another day. Um, but, you know, again, they, they've never really worked on, on top. Uh, and, and yet the, um, the outpouring, and again, understanding some of it are, are the, 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 um, the circumstances of the death, but I really do think it speaks to uh, what a real good dude uh, uh, he was. I not much of an exchange, but I remember being at WrestleCon last year um, in Manhattan, and when I was registering at, at the front desk, um, I think he was, he, he just showed up to like get change to work his table. He needed like a, a, a change for a certain amount of money. And, and um, he was hustling, you know, and, and this had been 10 years since, um, uh, again, he'd been really in, in the spotlight and still very much interacting with fans and, and seemed like such a, you know, these convention settings, uh, a lot of times it's a bunch of, of, of old timers who clearly don't want to be there. Um, and he just couldn't have been sort of a friendlier, more interactive um, with fans. And, and uh, you know, the story coming out of this is that he was a hero, but I think there have been stories in the past about, didn't he like stop a, ro a robbery or something like that? And, yeah. um, I, and, and also I remember, I remember the details of it, but at, at one of these conventions, maybe more than once, I remember him like standing, there might've been some kind of like um, dust up somewhere and he's the one who intervenes. And he seemed like a guy who was kind of always looking out for, for other people. Yeah. And I remember him, you know, cause crime time was the time that that was the time that I was working at WWE. And, you know, I do remember he was very well liked. He was very um, thankful, you know, like, like, like we said, you know, they never were on top and people can kind of question the gimmick that they were given. And I think they even knew that at the time, like he, you could, but, but he was very gracious about it. Like it was sort of an attitude of, I'm going to make the most of what I've been given. Like, like it may not be perfect, but I'm in a position now that, you know, there are thousands of guys that would give their arm to be where I am right now. And, and I'm going to make the most of it. That was really his attitude towards it. I do remember that. And um, he was just a hard worker and a, and a humble guy, actually not at all like his TV character. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, suffice to say uh, everybody at uh, the PWI family sends our condolences um, to his loved ones. Uh, shifting here real quick before we bring in uh, uh, Stu and, um, Kevin, do you want to talk about, I don't get to do this much, actually hold up a copy of the latest issue, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It is the August 2020 issue with WrestleMania Real Winners and Losers on the cover. That's um, your feature, uh, Brian. And uh, this is available now, both obviously the print edition and the digital edition. And uh, whichever you pick, uh, go to pwi-online.com and get yours. Uh, if you subscribe, you get uh, big, big discounts uh, over the cover price. Can use that too, look, 50% off. Um, and so much in uh, this issue. 
Uh, as I mentioned, this is a WrestleMania coverage issue and what a WrestleMania was. I mean, really, any year it's a collector's edition uh, because of the WrestleMania coverage. This being such a bizarre year for what WrestleMania was, uh, maybe especially so. Uh, but there's features uh, in here uh, about uh, Jacob Fatu, the MLW champion, uh, on Mer Marty Skrull, on Keith Lee. I got to talk to, to Keith. We hope to feature some of that audio here in the uh, coming weeks. As I mentioned, the WrestleMania 36, Real Winners and Losers, and a My Hot Seat interview with Nyla Rose. And something, um, uh, I think, in terms of content in this magazine and what really 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 makes it i think a collector's edition um and and we haven't mentioned it much and and certainly it's appropriate now is the final from the desk of um stew sacks i believe maybe we'll find out otherwise in, in a bit um but uh uh yeah with Stu heading out he was uh, wrapping it up and um there's some fun pictures you know we don't see a whole lot of Stu. there are uh, a lot of pictures throughout his career historical pictures of him um, over his 41 years at Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and I think a real uh, touching um, farewell by him. So uh, you definitely uh, want to check that out. Again, pwi-online.com uh, is the place to go. Uh, also, please follow us on social media at Official PWI. That's both on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on Facebook as well. You could send us an email at uh, podcast at outlook.com. Uh, or pwi at capopublishing.com for anything related to the magazine or anything else. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a positive review wherever you get your, your podcasts. Um, we want to thank uh, Podbean for hosting us for all these years. Uh, what else? The T-shirts. I got mine. You've got yours. In a second, you'll see Kevin's got his. He is Team SmackDown. We are Team Raw, obviously. Um, and you can get them at prowrestlingtees.com. Uh, and there's a... A few other designs now too. We've got an inside wrestling shirt, uh, the wrestler, the wrestler shirt. Uh, so whichever you like, prowrestlingtees.com is a place to go. Father's Day is coming up, so for the rest, of the wrestling fan in your life, absolutely uh, a good gift um, for him. Uh, so why don't we bring in now um, Kevin and Stu, if they would turn on their uh, cameras. Hello, hello. Hi. Hey. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, 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 real quick, so you guys are in the office. We're in separate parts of the office, yes. How long have you guys been back in the office? Stu's been here. Um, I've never I, left. Yeah. I've never left. I would, we are, uh, as publishing, we are an exception to the stay-at-home order. So uh, we, we were given the option here at Kappa to either come into the office or work from home. And Kevin worked from home for a good chunk of time, but we – I wanted I, I wanted to get him in here just a little bit before I finally left so that we can go over some of the finer details face to face. Uh, and uh, so he's he's now in the office, but working in the empty art department. Yeah, I mean, just bizarre. I can't imagine that either of you could anticipate that, that these would be the circumstances behind, you know, this this passing of uh, the torch. Uh, we'll get into all that uh, in in a moment. I uh, did want to go over a couple things. So. July 1979, uh, Stu, uh, the top song on the charts was uh, Bad Girls by Donna Summer. Uh, Dracula was number one in uh, movie theaters. Uh, not the Bela Lugosi one, right? Just now, which one was it? Would you know better than <laughs> This was not a very good Dracula. It was Frank, the Frank Langella. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, Skeletor. That's what I know him. <laughs> um, 
uh, Jimmy Carter was in the White House. Uh, Madison Square Garden, I don't know if you went to this, Stu, hosted the first ever, its first ever, eight-man tag team match, uh, which was a three out of three out of five falls match. Andre the Giant, Ivan Putski, Tito Santana, and Dominic DiNucci defeated uh, Jimmy, Johnny, and Jerry Valiant, and uh, Captain Lil Bano, and um, also the WWWF Championship was on the line when Bob Backlund uh, retained against Pat Patterson uh, by countout. So that was all 41 years ago, also uh, in July of 1979. A young Stony Brook graduate uh, uh, joined uh, the Weston Wrestling Magazines. Um, and uh, 41 years later, you're calling it a career. We want to get into that. Before we do, and you hear from uh, all of us, um, I think uh, we've got some messages. We're going to hear from some other folks. Yeah, Craig, listen, you know, people know that me, Bill Apter, I'm on a lot of shows and all that, but they didn't know that I still talk to Craig Peters. So did you hear that Stu Sachs is retiring? I did hear. I think it's amazing that uh, Al is devoting this uh, special episode of the podcast to Stu. And, uh, you know, I've worked with you, Bill, for 15 years and Stu for those same 15 years. And boy, there's a, there's a great bunch of stories. Oh, I've got story. I've got stories about Stu. I mean, you know what? Tell, tell, tell the podcast listeners the story about when Steve Farhood wrote that Izzy Slavowitz column. Oh, that oh, was this is a great story. That was Still classic. Love this. That was classic. Steve Farhood had never been to a temple before to no, a Jewish. No, no. And, and, and then there was a time that Stu and his wife Darlene pulled the lottery ticket gag on our production manager Carl Robert. Oh yeah. That's uh, let me tell you that story. So Stu and Darlene got a ticket, and it wasn't a winning ticket. And they oh, oh, and then and then listeners, you can't believe it. You have to hear the story about Stu and Dan Shockett and going to the apartment wrestling matches. Oh, the apartment wrestling. Oh, the, yeah. okay. So Stu always said that he never had any involvement in apartment wrestling. Oh, speaking of involvement, there was that time when he was involved in this whistle ball game in the office and it hit an ashtray. And the, remember that story? Yeah, that was with Stan Stasiak. I, uh, okay, so Stan Stasiak came up to the office. And, you know what, Bill? I've got to say something. Um, in 15 years that I've worked with you, you know what your problem is? What? You never finish a story. It's been nice working with you, Stan. Any any reactions to that, Stu, before we go on? Craig knows that that's my favorite bit that the two of them do. I got so to see I, it in person last year. Oh, my goodness. It is classic. And, and, I, and every one of those stories, almost every one of those stories has a real origin and uh, we can get into a couple of them if you want later on. But, uh, yeah, it was great working with those guys. We had a blast. I'm telling you, oh, there was never a dull moment. And, and I never I never anticipated working at, as a wrestling writer or a wrestling editor as for my career. But it, working in that office environment, it just it just sealed it. I, I there was no reason to leave. It was just so much fun. You know, like they say, if you if you if you if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. Well, I guess that that would be absolutely true of this job. So that's it. I'll see you guys. Is <laughs> <laughs> a couple right. more of those? Uh, yeah, yeah, we got a couple more. Let's let's get back to them. 
Hello, this is Harry Burkett with Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I want to wish my boss, Stu Sachs, a very happy retirement after 41 years with PWI. I go back 37 years uh, with Stu, starting out as a reader and a big fan of his, and to be able to transition and become a writer, working alongside him, has been a big thrill in my life. And I appreciate uh, everything you pass along to me and everything I've learned. Happy retirement, and thank you very much. Harry was awesome. Harry is awesome. He's, he's still with us. Harry, yeah, he, he still gives a damn. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's not abandoning us. Oh, my goodness. He, he, several, there were two times that we actually hired Harry to, to work as an editor in the office. And uh, it, was, it was great. But he got homesick for, uh, for Girdle Tree, Maryland. And uh, he, just, he just had to get back home. And so, you know, that... It didn't. He was always the uh, the consummate freelance writer because he he was so clean. You didn't have to do a thing to his stories. They came and because he had the whole sensibility of what we do here in the office. And this isn't a knock on any of you other guys, but they it came with a headline, with a blurb, you know, with all the with all the little things that we have to do here to send the story and prepare it for the art department. Harry had that all together for me. So reading his stories is like uh, you know like just like like a gift and he's such a great writer too and nobody could pull in the history of wrestling into modern times like harry could that's his specialty and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll still read pwi and i hope you guys i hope all you guys are still doing your your columns for a very very long time harry would be the the longest tenured writer in the history of the magazine wouldn't it uh yeah i i would i would say so he said 37 years that's a I think some of that might be like as a, as a fan, right? Or, uh, he, yeah. I think he, I think he wrote a, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's told the story. I, I don't recall this, but when we used to do wrestling 83, 84, 85, there was a, we had one, we had letters to the editor, but we had one lengthy opinion piece from a, from a reader. And I think Harry wrote one of those and that was, that was his start. Uh, but I think the way he came to the magazine was through a, another publication that we did here, which, which was called the Remember, which was, had nothing to do with wrestling. It was a nostalgia magazine. And Harry loved the magazine. And then he looked in the staff box and he saw all those familiar names. And he, I think he started with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he wrote a piece for Remember and then that transitioned into the wrestling magazines. Yeah, because I know Dan joined, I think, in in '97 um, and right. left the magazine uh, last year. And and Harry, I think, was around before Dan, right? So I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he's pushing at least twenty five years or, or more um, as part of the team. Uh, and is there uh, one more, Kevin? Yeah, there's one more. Let's. Now this guy's got him. everybody beat, right? In terms of how long he's been around. Yeah, that's true. Let's uh, let's uh, hear from the other individual. This is uh, <clears throat> this this is Matt Matt Brock, and um, I just want to say that uh, Stu Sachs retiring. I never thought the little punk would 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 retire before me, but I wish him luck. Forty one years, just getting started, but uh, he did a heck of a job, and uh, I wish him luck. Take care, Stu. 
Mm. That guy. That's great. That's fishy. <laughs> For his age, he sounds terrific. It does. He's got a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a problem there with his like, digestive system, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Better for hitting the bottle, maybe, you know, could be. <laughs> well, he's on the road so much. I mean, how, yeah, true, true. How he gets by. We can't um, judge him too much. Um, well, anyhow, Stu. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. There might be more coming uh, your way, so so I'll send them along as they come in. Um, so, so Stu, again, it's been 41 years, uh, uh, just, <laughs> just crazy circumstances. Uh, again, you, you, you couldn't have imagined this is the way uh, it would end. So can you talk a bit about, you know, how, how bittersweet that is, uh, that – you know, I, I'm sure you hoped for, for the, the big retirement party, the send off, all that. What, what's it like uh, retiring under these circumstances? Uh, it, 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 there's something missing. And, you know, to not have to not have my coworkers with me and, and I'd say everybody in the uh, in any editorial department of the company, except for Kevin and me, are working from home at this point. Uh, so. You know, it, it and my my boss is working from home. Uh, that's that's McNulty, the president. Um, uh, you know, a good chunk of the people, and the, the even the even the even some of the people are just kind of you can't go into uh, accounting. They have a, a bin outside the outside their area. You just drop stuff in and back away. You know, you can't go in. You can't talk. <laughs> so you see people walking through the office with with their masks on, but it's it's just so odd you know and it's like no it's not the way i envisioned things happen you know i i i kind of thought there might be a cake so we're gonna have to do a a virtual cake (laughs) and uh yeah it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit sad but it doesn't change the fact you know that that, you know as of june 5th i won't i won't see these people on a regular basis anyway i'm still gonna be in the area for a while and i'm sure i'll stop by and see people when things get back to normal and you know we'll We'll have some things to talk about, and you know, it, yeah, it, it's it's a little sad. Why the decision to to keep coming in uh, every day? It, I just feel safe. Uh, you know, we're permitted to come in. I'm working completely in an area by myself. Uh, it's just it's just what I'm used to. It's what I've done for all these years, and I think my my wife is going to see enough of me. After, after June fifth, so uh, you know, I'll just give her a little bit more time to uh, to before that happens on a on a daily basis. You know. Yeah. Um. So, what do you expect is going to be like on on June fifth when you walk out of the office for uh, the final time? I mean, do you, do you anticipate that it's going to be emotional for you, or have you already kind of put some of this behind you? I think it's hard to say what it's going to feel like when I leave the office on that day. Um, I, I, I just, just, I, I think the, the, I would have felt very uneasy if we hadn't set things up for the magazine to go forward without a hitch. And I think that with hiring of Kevin and the, the amazing quick uh, learner that he is, and the fact that he had experience with the magazines for, for all these years and, and knew all the freelancers and knew what PWI was about, uh, the, the transition was, has been just unbelievable. He, even, even though we were apart from a good, of the, a good chunk of the period where you know, he would be learning the, the ins and outs of what we do here. So, uh, so just knowing that the magazine is in good hands and that it's going to go forward without a hitch really 
makes me very comfortable. And I think that takes a lot of the angst out of it because the magazine has been a part of my life for, you know, a good, you know, 30, I'm sorry, almost 41 years. And that's, you know, you put yourself into it. You put a lot into the magazine and to see it go to somebody who I wasn't sure about would have been just very, I, I just wouldn't have been comfortable with that. But I, I just have a really, really good feeling of what's going to happen in the months and years to come. Yeah. Um, so what's behind the decision? I, I was uh, uh, with you, uh, I think, less than a year ago, and we were celebrating the, the 40th anniversary of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. At the time, you said, you know, it, it wasn't quite on, on your radar. I lied. Um, <laughs> you, you lied. Um, so what I, I know in your latest, uh, and, and what I believe is your last column, you, you touched on it, uh, but but why after 41 years is this the right time? Um, I think I just want to experience life without having the pressures of schedules and, and deadlines. And I, you, know, you start that at a very, very young age while you're in school. There's always, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm 64 years old. You know, the time was going to come soon anyway, but I just wanted to, I wanted to just see what life was like without having to do things. And, you know, my, I think my enthusiasm for the job was starting to wane a little bit. Um, you know, I, I've been at this for a very long time and it, it, I don't want to say it's, it's, it would be stupid to say it's getting old because there's always a new experience every, every day. You know, there's always a new challenge, but you know, it's, I think it's just time to pass the torch to somebody who was a little bit more enthusiastic about all this than, than I am at this moment. How much of, of losing that, um, some of that enthusiasm is about wrestling itself, right? I mean, I, I think we could all agree that you do this job um, the best when you really are a fan of the sport, right? Um, and uh, I know once upon a time, and you, you talk about how, how you began your career, you were at the matches and you showed me some of this stuff. I mean, writing longhand match results and, and all this stuff. So um, certainly a younger Stu Sachs was as big a fan of wrestling um, as there was. You've acknowledged that you've pulled back some um, in, in recent years. So is that something to do with it, that, that you just can't get into uh, a wrestling as much as, as you did when uh, you were younger? Uh, I think so. I think so. You, you couldn't have been more of a wrestling fan than I was when I was maybe, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. I was, I was a, a crazy person for wrestling. I, I spent hours in the library just going through microfilms and looking for the, uh, Madison Square Garden results so I could, I could print them out and keep them. Why? I have no idea. You know, I, I just, I just, I loved it so much that that's what I would do. I, I would, my grandmother lived in Florida and she would send me the, uh, all the, the, uh, the match clippings from the Florida, Florida newspapers. And, uh, I would, like you said, I would, I would take longhand, uh, um, detailed results and I would put, I'd started to do my own wrestling newsletter when I was 14 or 15 years old. Um, I, it was, it was, it was, I was, I shared a room with my brother who hated wrestling and he was like, oh, 
you're not putting that on again. But I did. And I, I had to set up the UHF antenna so that I can get channel 47 from, uh, it would come in really snowy and I would watch wrestling from the Olympic auditorium on channel 41 on Saturdays. And I, I couldn't get enough of it. And, um, if, if I had that same feeling right now, I, I probably would do this until I was Matt Brock's age. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I guess you just lose a little bit of it after a while. And, uh, you know, it's, I think the magazine deserves to have somebody who has that kind of enthusiasm that I might've had when I was a youngster. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's unrealistic to think that anybody would be as crazy as, as I was back then. But I, I really do think that Kevin has a lot more love for wrestling at this point than I do. And, and the readers deserve to have somebody who, who could, you know, who has that that feeling inside of them still. Yes. And, and and Stu, yeah, Stu, what was it like to see Frank Gotch live at that time? Was it <laughs> like day or, you know? <laughs> well, he was in the college at the time, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, did, I did get to interview him, and he was he was a very nice man. <laughs> did you really? And, uh, oh, yeah. He was oh, great. Wow. He, was, no, no. He, 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 didn't, he, he died in 1913. So. Okay, I've got my... <laughs> I got my, my timeline wrong. Oh, then I, then I must be thinking of Carl Gosh then. <laughs> now, now, I think George Hackenschmidt you might have been able to, to, to interview because he didn't die until about 1960. So, you know. Nobody knows history. I take it back what I said about Harry. I think you know wrestling history better than anybody, especially the NWA. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote the book, you know. No, but I actually, I, I want to say on that, you know, you mentioned, Stu, in your last column about how you started, you know, like you were running a fan club. Right. And I don't know if you remember this, but I guess about a year or two ago, I, I was going through some of my wrestling magazines, like from the 70s, I guess, some old ones that I had. And in the fan club section, I saw your fan club in there with your name. And I mean, it was, was like, I don't know, maybe like early 70s or something. And I sent you a picture of it, you know, because I was just like, I know, I know you had said that before, but seeing it in print, it's just like made it all so real. It's like, wow, he really, he really did have a fan club back then. I, I, I see those in our magazines. So if I go into our, our own archives and I go back into those years, I could see, you know, Bill Apter ran the fan club column and he would, he would advertise my little wrestling newsletter in there. And uh, that's kind of fun. And, and the, just the other day, Jason Conlon, who was our, our cartoonist, sent me a, a, a letter to the editor that I wrote for Wrestling Monthly. And I had, so I now have that, which was kind of cool, talk, complaining about the New York State Athletic Commission. <laughs> well, when I, you know, I started reading PWI when I was in high school, and which is probably like, well, at that time, I think probably I started about maybe like 90, 91 reading it. And I just got such a sense back then of like, it just seemed like, I don't know what it was, like the coolest place in the world to work. Like when I was a teenager, I just thought like, my God, these guys, they hang out in this office. They talk about wrestling, like they write about wrestling. They get to go to the matches. And when I was in college, I actually started, I'm not going to hold this against you, Sue, Stu, but I started sending samples of my writing out to like every wrestling magazine that I could think of that was out there. Like I sent stuff to George Napolitano and like, I think Vince Russo was running WWF magazine at the time. And I sent them like all those like stuff I wrote in college, like for the paper, you know, and I sent stuff directly to you. And I remember thinking like of all the places 
that was the one where I wanted to work the most. I was like, please, please, please. Now, I wound up going to work at WWE Magazine, which was way, way more corporate, I have to say, than anything I imagined what being at PWI was like. Like, I know Frank would always tell me, like, Frank would confirm it, like how much fun, Frank Fatucci, how much fun it was to work at the PWI offices. So I was always very jealous of you, Stu. Well, you know, I remember your letters and, and your samples were so good that I couldn't hire you because I knew that you would take my job away from me. So <laughs> I just couldn't do that. That was, that that was Ultimately, like, Kevin did that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> my samples weren't as good as Brian. So. Um, you know, go ahead. Uh, uh, Brian touches on, you know, and, and even by your accounts, it, it was such a fun time right back then when you're talking about the, uh, the days in, in Rockville Center and all that. And then um, there in the mid-90s, you move over to Pennsylvania. Do, do you see it as kind of like, two different chapters in your career. And, and I, I've got to think that realistically speaking, the last uh, 25 years uh, or so, which is most of your career uh, at the magazines, couldn't have been as fun as, as that, those first, whatever it was, uh, 15 or so, right? Now, this, it became work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was work back then, but we, we had a lot more time to do the things that we wanted to do. We, you know, we, it was we 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 had time to play poker or stratomatic baseball at the end of the day or or wiffle ball or whatever that whatever it was, you know. So there, there was nobody. There was this is this is more of a, a more of a corporate kind of environment, and in there it was just like kids playing, and uh, but the kids did their homework. They got their they got the stuff done, and then and then they played, you know. So. You know, we never we never came close to missing a deadline. We had a lot of product back then, but we we were able to still have a, a really really good time. And I'm not saying that we didn't have we're not having a good time here. It was just it was just a different atmosphere. And um, you know, it, that those those were the days. I have to say, in, in terms of the camaraderie, the, uh, the 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 joy of working as a, as a young group and pooling our, our uh, creative ideas together to try to come up with magazines. Uh, You know, when you're, when you're young like that, you know, we were just all out of, all out of college. We always looked at Bill as the old man and he was maybe, you know, he's only, he was maybe 30. (laughs) You know, we were, you know, I was 23 and Steve Farhood was, you know, maybe a year younger than me and Craig came in and he was maybe two years younger than me. You know, it was it, it's it's kind of a unique situation to have all those young, enthusiastic people who really are just trying to find their way in, in journalism and, and the wrestling business and the combination of the two. And, you know, it, I, I can't tell you how much fun we had. It was it was it was fantastic. And you know, some of the, when Bill and Craig were doing their bit, you know, I could hear little, little starts and stops of stories that, you know, things that are that actually happened and it was you know like i'll, I'll just give you one example they, they talked about the, the fake lottery ticket uh you have time absolutely <laughs> okay the, we had a production manager named carl Wabick, and nobody knows who carl Wabick is but they all know his picture because he was the his his face with a visor over his eyes was the the uh the picture of matt brock Okay, so he oh, right. he was Matt Brock, all right. Now Carl, he was the production manager, but didn't have an awful lot to do during the day. 
you know, he would put together the, uh, the, the, the Western, the Western and detective magazines uh, with all film and pickup material that we ran for years and years and years. So he didn't have a, a lot to do. And he was very obsessed with houses. He owned houses and rented them and re- refurbished them and very, very obsessed with the lottery. And so there was one, one point the New York lottery got up to, I don't know how many millions of dollars, but it was like at a record level. And Carl spent the entire day just trying to get different people to pool their, their resources to buy a lottery, to buy lottery tickets so we can get as many as we could. And, um, you know, the, the, we, we, the night of the lottery, we, we knew that, that none of our tickets came in. So um, Darlene and, and I, my wife and I, we both worked there. Obviously. Darlene was an artist who I met on the job. Um, we, we came into work the next day, but before we did, we stopped at a stationery store or a luncheonette and we picked up a lottery ticket and we, we bought it with the winning numbers That'll so that, <laughs> so that the lottery ticket would have the right numbers on it, but it would, it would be a week, a week old. So we, we bought the lottery ticket and came into the office and Darlene sat on the side of the office with the art department where Carl worked and said, uh, and she said to Carl, Carl, we, Stu and I bought a ticket. Can you, can you just see if it, uh, if we won anything? He goes, no, we didn't win anything. You didn't win anything. Nobody wins anything. You forget about it. And she says, come on, Carl, I'm really busy. Can you just take, take a look at the numbers? He's ah, oh, all right. He goes, all right. You needed six to win the grand prize. There was no like additional numbers or whatever they have now. So it was the, you got one number. Ah, you got two numbers. You got three. You got four. You won money. You got five numbers. <laughs> you got six. You're a millionaire. And he was absolutely convinced that we were now millionaires. And he goes over to Ken Morgan, who's the, who was the art director, and, and Darlene's boss says, she quits. She doesn't need this place anymore. And he comes running over to my side of the building, and he... That's, that's my wife calling up. <laughs> Got to call you back. Get on speaker. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so he comes over, running over to my side of the building and goes, Stu, we, you guys won. You're a millionaire. You're a millionaire. And Bill after says, let me see that ticket. And he takes a ticket and he pretends to rip it up. And Carl calls him an, an expletive. And, and then finally... Everybody's just, everybody's in on this except for Carl and we're all cracking up, but he's not seeing this. And finally, Darlene felt bad. And she says, Carl, check the date of the ticket. What? Check the date of the ticket. And he finally realized that he's been duped and he was, he wouldn't talk to us for a week. He (laughs) he says, I was going to borrow money from you guys. But he He was, oh man, that was we had a blast with that. We'll, we'll never forget that for forever. That was a great story. That is mean. Yeah. 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 I mean, something that, that we're going to talk a, a whole lot about is that, as you mentioned, you, you met your wife here. So, I mean, I imagine that's another uh, reason for you to be grateful for, for uh, these last 41 years, right? That's exactly right. I, every, I think everything that I have in life is somewhat connected to this job. And, you know, you know, the, where I'm living, the friends I now have, uh, you know, just all the experiences 
everything it's just all connected to the job but the one thing that I'll take away that's the most important is the fact that that you know I I met my my the love of my life my soulmate at at the at the job she was a uh, she was hired after after like maybe four three or four years after I was as a graphic artist and um and I I was I was smitten to begin with and you know she was you know very very attractive and I, uh, I, I wanted, to, I, among everybody else, wanted to get her attention. And I didn't really know how to do it. I, I'm a little shy with, with, with girls. So uh, I, I didn't know what to do. And I, but I knew I wanted to get her attention before somebody else did. So, she, and I, I wrote about this in my column. The way the Freeport office was set up, the art department was on one side. And she had to walk across the the editorial department to get back to where the typesetter set the, set the type and made the galleys for them to paste up in the art department. And she used to send Ken Morgan, the art director to get the type because she didn't want to walk across the, the uh, where all these guys were going to look at her. And so finally Ken said to her, you're going to have to go eventually. I can't do this for you every time. So she, she walks up, she's walking across, she gets the type, she's walking back and I could hear her going clip, clop, clip, clop on the tile floor. So that was my that was my opportunity. I said, uh, "Excuse me, do you have to make so much noise?" What she says? She, I said, "You're kind of making a lot of noise. We're trying to work here." <laughs> and she says, "Oh, does it bother you?" And then she does, you know, like she gets up, she does a jig on the floor, makes all the noise, and then runs out. <laughs> so, so she goes she goes home that night, and her mother says, "So how do how do you like the uh, working there?" And she goes. I love the people. He goes, except there's this one guy who I really don't like, and I'll probably wind up marrying him. <laughs> That's a true story. That's great. Wow. That was 30-something yeah. years ago, right? How many years now? Yeah, that was, we were married almost 36 years. That's great. Very happily, great. and I'm just very grateful that she, she's the best thing that I took out of this job. So don't before yeah. you make me cry, go on to another <laughs> one. Um, uh, you, you've mentioned Bill a couple times, and uh, I think for most People certainly who read the magazines uh, in, in the 70s and 80s and 90s, he was sort of the face of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, I think it's fair to say that, that most fans of the magazine don't even know what you look like, right? I mean, that, that's one of kind of the running jokes is, is Stu Sachs even a real person, right? Um, so you, you, you've kept this low profile for all those years. Was that deliberate on your part? Do, do you have any regrets about maybe not being out there more and, you know, uh, uh, in a, going to more shows, meeting more wrestlers, whining and dining and schmoozing the way Bill has? Mm. You know, not really, because uh, Bill, Bill was very comfortable doing that kind of thing, and I, I, I never really was. Um, I, I'm kind of a, a shy, reserved guy, and I'm, I'm very content to, to kind of sit in the background and do the, do the grunt work and Bill was just so you know, overflowing with personality and, uh, you know, the, the, being able to get out there, endear himself to the, to the wrestlers and the wrestling promoters. Nobody could do that better than him. Uh, Bill, Bill went out, went out, Craig, Craig went out, another guy who had all the kind of old personality in the world. Um, and they love doing it. So you, you can't send everybody. So, you know, it was, it was, it was the right thing to do. And, you know, Bill, Bill, Bill's importance to the magazine went far beyond his, 
you know, his, what he brought to the table as a, um, as a photographer and as a, as a, uh, a writer or as a senior editor, uh, you know, the business, the, we depended on the, uh, at, at, backtrack at, at wrestling it, more so in those days was such a close business that you needed somebody who was on the inside to be able to gain the trust of the, of those who were in power and, you know, whether it be the wrestlers or the promoters and that's Bill, was such a nice guy and a trustworthy guy that they trusted him with that, you know, with coming into the inner circle and being what, what he eventually became. Uh, so, you know, that, that was his job. He was good at it. And, you know, I didn't see any reason to try to encroach on that. Why, why did you stick around so long? I mean, you talk about like all these, these names, uh, Craig and, and Bill, and um, th- they all moved on, you know, as did uh, pretty much everybody you worked with in, in those early years. You stuck around uh, 41 years. Uh, why in that time? I- I'm sure opportunities came your way or you could have pursued opportunities. Why did you stick around? Well, I had a little taste of what, the life of a newspaper person would be. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to be, I wanted to cover the Knicks as their beat writer. I mean, something, something along those lines. I wanted to be a sports writer for a daily newspaper. And then I got to, I got to work at a daily newspaper as a part-timer for, for several years. And I saw what their lifestyle was and it's, it's difficult. You know, you, you're working nights and weekends and holidays you know, and you know, when, when Tell me about it. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure, you know, you know, you know, when you're, when, when you should be home with your family, enjoying a Thanksgiving dinner, you know, you're out writing a, a story and uh, it, it's, it, it, the glamour of being a, a newspaper writer was like, it's sort of like, mm, this, this may not be for me. So when I, at, at London publishing, it was a nine to five job, five days a week, and you're off on holidays and, and you, you get to actually live a, a normal life. And even, even with that, I thought, I didn't think I would be there for an extended period of time. But it was such a, like I said before, it was such a great working environment that I would have been a fool to leave it. And then as time went on, I got more responsibilities. And then the person who hired me, Peter King, left the company in 1987 and I was put in as, as editor in chief, basically running the whole editorial operation. And with it came, you know, a little bit more money and, uh, you know, the responsibility that I, that I, I wanted, uh, the, the, the working environment was great. The subject matter, you know, you're writing about wrestling. That's not a bad thing. So, uh, there really was no reason for me to leave. So I kept going. Did, did you ever um, think about or have the opportunity to actually get a job in, in wrestling as far as working for WWE? Was that ever on your radar? No, I was, I was, I was never, ever approached by them. Uh, I, know, I know certain people who, who I, I actually heard the, the Busted Open radio show the other day, and they did some, a tribute to the, uh, the glory days of the wrestling magazines, and I heard that I didn't even know this, that George Napolitano was, was offered a position with WWF at the time. Uh, I know that 
that Bill Bill was in discussions with them for for a period of time, but they no, they never they never came to me. So yeah. Yeah. not that I would have taken it. I, I'm not happy where I was. Uh, when I was working there, Stu, I remember one time, uh, if I remember it correctly, that you came to the office. I didn't get to introduce myself or meet you, but I was working for Barry Werner at the time, who was the publisher of WWE magazine. And I remember him saying that he had had a meeting with you in the office, I guess, to talk about doing like a big cover story with Triple H, if I remember right, or something like that. And I just remember regretting that I didn't know about it because I didn't have a chance to introduce myself to you because I, you know, like read your read the magazine for so many years. Do you remember that? I do. It was it was one of the most awkward meetings I've ever had in my life. <laughs> now, Barry was nice enough. OK, but we weren't coming here to talk to Barry. We, we were it was it was myself and Dave Lanker, okay? He was the, he was the editor-in-chief. We were coming to, to meet with Linda McMahon, and I don't remember why. I don't remember the, the, the reason we came. Maybe it was just because we just wanted to get to know her. I did, I'd never met her before, and, and, and you know, the magazines were, the, the, uh, the magazines and WWF were starting to build a relationship at the time, and I wanted to get to know her a little bit. Uh, so when we got there, somehow that didn't happen. And I, ne- I never met her. And they, they brought us into Barry's office and we sat down and, and, they, and they said, okay, you'll meet with Barry Werner. And I'm like, okay, I don't really have anything to talk to Barry about. He's, you know, I knew, I knew his background a little bit and then we talked about some mutual, mutual acquaintances. Um, He's a newspaper and, and, guy too. Right? Yeah, he was the Daily News sports editor for yes, years. Yes, he was, and I, and I knew somebody who worked at the Daily News, and we talked about that for a few minutes. But then we just saw us kind of sat there looking at each other and not knowing what to say. And uh, you know, finally, after a while, Dave and I said, "Well, it was really nice of you to sit and meet with us. You know, I, I you know, I, I know that you were kind of thrown into the situation without really being prepared to talk about anything. But it was, you know, it was it's nice to." meet you and and just you know thank you and we and we left <laughs> it's funny because i i can tell you the other side of that because i remember hearing about it from barry and he was i think just as confused as you guys were like he had no idea the meeting was happening and i remember you know barry has like this heavy new york accent and i remember him coming out later in the day and sitting down with us and being like you know, I, I just had the, the weirdest meeting with the with with Stu Saxon from PWI, and I don't even know uh, why. You know, and uh, all he wanted was um, to do an interview with Triple H. I don't know why they they had to come all the way up here just to talk about that. But uh, you know, it was nice to meet him. I get like he was just mystified. <laughs> right. and I, I don't remember the Triple H aspect of it at all. Yeah, that's what he said that you guys wanted to do like a big cover story interview, like photo shoot or whatever with him. And it was almost like you were looking for like, like his blessing to do it or something. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I had a sense that Triple H would be, would gain power within the company and <laughs> I wanted to get to know him. Maybe. Well, that was a good relationship to, uh, to, to create, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it was the, the 500, because I remember uh, him being number one way back when and us trying to get an interview and ultimately getting an interview with him. I think that might've been it actually. Yeah. Maybe that was it. Yeah. This was like, I, I don't, I want to say like, Oh, two Oh three, like that. Something that like sounds that. about right. Yeah. yeah. But it was kind of cool going to the, uh, to the Titan tower. You know, yeah. I've, I've been there a couple of times since. 
And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's, it's a neat place to be. I would, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I've met with several people there and I, and, you know, you mentioned Frank Vitucci, um, you know, he worked here for, for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, and then he took his, he took a job there, which was a great thing for him, obviously. Uh, he's still there. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's still there. And, he's a survivor. Uh, yeah. He's a survivor. In fact, uh, the, the other day, I got a, a package delivered to the office and I, I, I opened it up and it was a, quite a nice surprise. And it came from WWE and it, it, it was a nice note from, from Frank talking about, you know, our, you know, the, the relationship between us and our personal relationship and, and the magazines with WWE and, and the nice little trinket came with it. Hang on one second. Oh, oh my goodness! Wow, wow! Talk about nice. burying the wow. lead, dude. Burying the lead. Wow, it's <laughs> uh, very classy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally, boy. <laughs> how, how would you describe your relationship with with WWE uh, over all these years? I mean, I know there was probably kind of a, a rough patch there, at least um, in the '80s. But but just as as a bystander, my sense is in, in the last several years. There, there has been a relationship there, even outside of, of what we see on the business side. Maybe it's not that unusual for some text to go back and forth between you and some people in influence there. So um, has, has that really grown over the years? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll start at the beginning. In the beginning, everything was just, I'll, I'll just put this aside. <laughs> in the beginning, everything was just like, you would expect it to be, you know, we would, we would call for credentials to go shoot wrestling at Madison square garden and Bill and I would go in and we would set up the two of us at ringside and, and shoot away. And they, they, you know, they, they appreciated the, uh, the coverage from the magazines cause there was no other coverage from anywhere else. Um, but then, uh, <clears throat> in the, like, I think it was 83, uh, we called up, you know, to confirm our credentials. And Bill was told that you're no longer welcome here. And WWF was beginning their own magazine and, and Vince McMahon was intent on capturing that aspect of the cash flow of the revenue. The magazines were pretty profitable and he didn't like the idea that, that we were making money on their backs. So he started his own magazine and, um, it was it was not pleasant. You know, they 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 cut us off entirely. We were not to photograph wrestling matches. Um, <clears throat> we weren't even allowed to come into the arenas with with cameras. Now everybody's got their you know their their cell phone takes pictures. Most of them take video, whatever, whatever. Uh, they were very strict about people coming in with anybody coming with cameras for the fear that the magazines would get pictures, and they didn't want us to have that. So we had to do some things to try to keep ourselves going. We couldn't, we couldn't just throw in the towel and say, all right, Vince, it's all yours. You know, we're going to just cash in the cash in our chips and not produce wrestling magazine anymore. No, we, we continued to do it. We did whatever we had to do to get photos. And, um, it was, you know, we, we, we the, the whole 1980s rise of wrestling and the rock and wrestling connection should have been like a, a bonanza for us. And it was, but it could have been that much more if we had the cooperation of WWF and were able to get the types of photos that we really needed to do what, what should have been done. 
So, <clears throat> excuse me, as we got into the, uh, into the 90s, things start to change a little bit. And uh, Bill, Bill After uh, had a relationship with Jay Andronico, who was their PR director. And they started to need a couple of things from us, occasionally a picture. And we would say, okay, you know, maybe you could open up a little bit for us. And slowly but surely, we were able to start shooting some shows. It got to the point now where the relationship is just phenomenal. You know, we, whatever, whatever we need, they could either supply us or we could shoot ourselves. We can't, sh we're not permitted to shoot the, uh, any televised event, but any, any house show we could shoot, we could shoot any, any event from, from, you know, from a secondary position with a long lens, but they supply us with photos. We continue to supply them with photos. Um, and, and, you know, personally, I have a, I have a, you know, I have a relationship with, with, you know, Stephanie and, and, and Paula Beck. Um, I have no relationship with Vince whatsoever. Yeah. In fact, it's, it's hard. I, I told this to, to Paul Levesque. I said, I never, I've never really met Vince McMahon, which, you know, it, being in this business for as long as I have, he just could not believe it. He says that that's impossible. That can't be. Well, I said, I, I have to take it back. I did meet him once. I was back. Somehow I got backstage at Madison square garden at like 17 years old because the guy, I was with this guy who was doing a wrestling radio show in New York and somehow he, arrange things so that we would be in the backstage at Madison Square Garden. So we're standing there and I'm, you know, I'm a young guy and Vince, who was obviously not in the position of power that he is right now, saw us there and he goes, what are you guys doing here? And I said, well, we, you know, we, we work with the, uh, the, the radio station. He goes, get out. <laughs> that was it. That was my only, seriously, my only face to face with Vince McMahon after all these years. Yeah. Um, Let's start to Kevin a little bit. That's another part of, of, of this story. Uh, you are the, the, the future of the magazine, kind of the, the next chapter here. Um, take me to, to getting that call. I imagine it came from Stu. Um, when, when did that call come? What was your reaction? How much uh, soul-searching thought did it take to, to accept the offer? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess the initial conversation started late, last fall at some point. Um, it was very hush hush. Stu not a lot of people here knew what was going on uh, at the at the cap offices. Um, Sue, even if I recall, stepped out to call me on his cell phone in the parking lot. So I knew that was that was unusual. Um, but yeah, essentially told me that he was going to be retiring and would I potentially be interested? Um, he thought that I might make a good a good fit for it. He was very like. Like, you can't say anything about this. You can't tell anybody. Um, and then, you know, it kind of gradually happened over the, but, you know, of course I was interested immediately. Like, yeah, that would, that would be a, a dream. Um, tried, tried not to act too excited, but I was, you know, positively buzzing after this. Um, and then, you know, over the course of a couple of months, I eventually formally applied, came in here, had to, had to speak to some other people, and then, you know, was offered the job and was, of course, super excited to, to accept it. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a dream for me. I've been reading the magazine and, and the sister magazines that are, that are now defunct since, since I was a, a child. I mean, even, even younger than what Brian was saying. I mean, probably around the same time period, but I would have been in early elementary school at that point. 
Um, not calling it old, Brian, but I, I guess I did just sort of call it <laughs> old. Um, yeah, so I mean, I can't, I mean, even here now, it feels kind of surreal, like a, a, a beautiful, unlikely dream. Um, but here I am in the office. I mean, like as Stu mentioned, we're in different parts of the office for safety's sake right now, but it's, it's great. And it's, I've been learning so much. I'm going to keep learning. Um, it's a shame Stu isn't going to be here longer because there's just, as much as he said that I'm learning quickly, I just, he's such a wealth of knowledge and, and knows so much and retains so much and has, has really quick recall of everything too. Just right away can tell me this or that about the history of the magazine. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure we covered this or we didn't No, we didn't do that. Or yeah, there's a few photos back in the archives there. It's, it's, you know, he's made clear that I can call him up after he's retired, but I don't, I don't want to go to that well too often. He deserves a break. He deserves to not have those deadlines. Yeah. It, it's one thing to learn the ins and outs of, you know, here's how you use whatever, you know, computer system, publishing yeah. system, and, yeah. and here are our deadlines for this. It, it's another thing, um, again, to, to establish the relationships and have that wealth of knowledge that Stu's developed over 41 years. So how intimidating is that? I mean, you, you, you know, you talk with somebody who, who acknowledges that he's text friends with, with Stephanie and Triple H, right? And right. As, as well, he should after 41 years. Sure. Um, so how intimidating is, is moving into that part of the job? Yeah, it's, it's a little overwhelming. I mean, obviously, working with the magazine for so many years, I've conducted my share of interviews and spoken to people, wrestlers, people who work behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, that, that's a whole new level, establishing these, these personal relationships. And Stu has been kind enough to, you know, through dribs and drabs, introduce me to the people I need to speak to. I haven't, I haven't spoken to Triple H or Stephanie yet, but certainly to other people who work within WWE who've, who've been very helpful. Um, and then people within other organizations. And it's, it's, it's really cool to get to know these people and to establish those relationships. And obviously, I want to be very careful not to do anything to damage those, those great relationships that Stu has built over all these years. So that's you know, a little bit nerve wracking, but, but I'm up to it. And I mean, really the, the, the truth of the matter is that Stu did such a great job of getting those relationships to where they are in the first place. I think I would have to almost work to, to damage them, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it's. And, and you've just been on the job for, for a few weeks and, and I've said it um, on the podcast a number of times, we, you, you really kind of um, hit the ground running in, in terms of putting your mark on things stuff like this, these video roundtables. You got our, our YouTube uh, channel uh, up and running, which, which something that, that, that I wanted to do for a long time, um, bringing back the PWI weekly uh, newsletter. So uh, was it a, a, a conscious decision on your part? Again, right out of the gate, I, I, I want to put my, my stamp on things. Um, you have to be careful, uh, especially while Stu's still around, yep. not to overstep, not, not, not to kind of change things around too much. Yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act. Um, I mean, I remember one of the early conversations we had was I always insisted that the word independent should be shortened as I-N-D-I-E because that's how it is. It's done in the worlds of music and film. Um, but we've always done I-N-D-Y. It's a, it's a really nerdy stylistic point. But if you've been reading the magazine for years or writing for it, obviously, um, that's how it's been done. And that's, I think, a certain section of the, the, the wrestling industry at large has done it that way because we do it. I, I kind of said, Stu, I, I, maybe this is something I do after you leave. I don't want to <laughs> press, press an issue immediately, like two days in here, but I'm, I'm here writing this and, you know, I really think it should be I-N-D-I-E. And he said, but 
Yeah. I mean, like I, I, we had a conversation about it. I talked him into it, but I, I, I didn't want to come in and try and rewrite everything because it's, it's worked so well. And, and, you know, I want to be careful about changes that I do make and something like the weekly to me made sense because it's an institution that people do ask about and they do miss. And there, it seemed like an easy way to bring it back was to do it as this, this free newsletter that, you know, we can largely, I mean, to pull back the curtain a little bit, I largely put it together myself. Um, entirely. Not, yeah, entirely. Um, although when I was at home and there was something uh, we needed from the archives, Stuart had to pull that for me. I wasn't going to necessarily come in just to, especially during the first few weeks of uh, the shutdown when it was, people really didn't know just how dangerous things were, what precautions you should be taking. Um, but it's not, it's not a huge imposition for us, you know, to, to, if we were to bring that back as a paper publication, that would be a whole other matter. There's costs associated with that. But to me, it made sense to do that and bring that brand back and, and give it away to people for free. And I mean, that, that keeps us in touch with our readers. It hopefully helps us make some, I can, I can actually say it's, it has helped us make some new readers already. So, or at least uh, get connections back with former readers. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's going to be some things that, that change over, over time. Um, I mean, I've, Stu and I think a little differently about some things, but I mean, I have to have respect for what he's built at the same time. And he knows, he knows this readership a lot better than I do. And I have to trust his instincts. And we've had a few conversations like that already where I I've come around on things because well, Stu knows that's, it's really as simple as that. And, and, um, I think you're an interesting person to have on the job because I think you're the youngest person here on this Zoom meeting. Um, you have different sensibilities, uh, I think, as a younger person, as a millennial, right? Um, and some of it uh, I've witnessed come up over the years on some debates uh, we've had about, you know, certain wrestlers who should or shouldn't be included in, in the PWI 500, mm-hmm. some societal issues, some cultural issues. Um, and then yet on, on the flip side, you're going to be at the helm of a magazine that that is such an institution and is so steeped in, in history. And I think um, some level of nostalgia, right? I mean, wrestling fans are a nostalgic sure. bunch. And, and I think nostalgia is, is a big part of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So you, you can't go and overhaul it that it's not even recognizable to what it was. So can you talk a bit about that and, and finding that balance in terms uh, of, of modernizing it, maybe making more relatable to, to younger fans while also holding on to those traditions? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. We can't alienate people who have loved this magazine for years and that, you know, I'm one of them and we have to respect tradition, respect the past. Um, I mean, just from a practical standpoint, we have this massive archive of, photos and and things that we want to we want to make use of that and and you know readers want to see that so that is part of it but on the other hand i mean the business is changing the world is changing i mean i for example i'm a big fan of of indie wrestling uh japanese wrestling things that we've covered but maybe weren't a huge part of the magazine but we can't go and just pivot and then that's all the magazine does that doesn't make sense from a a lot of uh, standpoints but i think there's room to include more of that uh, sorry, my throat gets a little dry when I speak a song. Um, but I mean, I don't want to give too much away about the the next issue that we're working on. But for example, I mean, we've kind of branched it out a little bit and covered some talent who maybe wouldn't have gotten coverage a couple of years ago. There's a feature story about a really prominent 
indie wrestler that's going to be in the issue. Uh, and when I say in, indie, I mean completely unsigned, but significant in that world. Um, but the story is compelling, and I think our readers will appreciate it when I, uh, I uh, when we put that out there. Um, it's that's that's really it. It has to be relatable. It has to be something that isn't going to be a complete left turn. And that's one thing I think the magazine has always done really well. Even if it's a wrestler who everybody knows, it's it's getting kind of beneath the surface and and looking at the the human being who is behind that that. Uh, I don't want to say behind the persona, but I mean, like there's, there's a human element and there's a, an athletic element. And I think we've always done a really good job of balancing those. And I don't want that to go away. I think that's, that's our bread and butter. Uh, Stu, this has been your baby for, for so long. Is there any anxiety, any uneasiness handing this over uh, to Kevin, who again has kind of a, a, a maybe different sensibilities, different vision for, for the magazine that you've had for all these years. I mean, you, you wonder what becomes of this does just look completely different than, than what I left him. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, if just listening to, to Kevin, I'm, I, I appreciate him so much just for the, just the, what he just brought to the table just now. I mean, he totally gets it. He totally understands that there is, there's a, a rich history to the magazine that needs to be tweaked. And we have over the years and it can continue to be tweaked uh, without, without destroying the, uh, the traditional element that, really brought our readers to us. Um, and so I, I have total confidence that he's not going to just tear it down. He's perfectly entitled to it's, 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 his, it's going to be his, you know, I'm not going to be here. I'm only going to be here another couple of weeks. And, um, you know, once I'm gone, you know, all bets are off the table, but you know, I'll never speak to him again. If he totally take, takes it and tears it down, <laughs> which he might appreciate at this point. <laughs> um, no, but I, I just, I have total trust. And all the things he's saying is, is so true. You know, just the, the archives are just, they're just sitting there and we use them for, I think WWE and, and some of the other wrestling companies use them more than we do at times, which is not good. We should, we should make them more accessible to our readers there. It's a, it's a terrific resource for us. Uh, and I think Kevin has, he's already shown ideas and brought things to the table that allow us to utilize our archives in ways that I never would have thought of. So, you know, I, you know, he talks about what I have, what I, what I, you know, my knowledge and all that, but he brings something totally entirely different to the table, things that I never would have thought of doing. And I think that's the overall, it's going to be a win-win for, for, for the magazine and for our readers. And I think you know, I, I, I have the utmost confidence that he's going to continue to grow our readership. Uh, he's just, you know, he thinks a little bit differently. He's got a little bit of a, a broader view of things than I do. He's got a, a really, really strong background in social media marketing. And that's one of the things that the company appreciates about him because Kevin isn't going to just do for Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Kevin is going to do for the entire Kappa, orga, Kappa organization, and he already has. He's been in meetings that, that I wouldn't have been invited to because I, I would have had nothing to say. So Kevin has, you know, he has something to, to offer all of Kappa, which is, you know, which is very, very appetizing for, for, you know, the powers that be here. Uh, so I, I see him having a very, very long and fruitful existence here at Kappa. I think it's going to be great for everybody. Uh, Brian, you want to jump in? I mean, all your experience in, in wrestling magazines and, and you've also been uh, uh, there when there's been these big kind of seismic shifts in, in wrestling magazines. 
uh, your your take on on the, the passing the torch here? Well, again, just more on the on the theme of jealousy. I have to say that I <laughs> I wish that the and this is really pulling back the curtain of Titan Tower, but I wish the transitions were as smooth and as amicable as what's going on here. Um, over there, it was more like you ever see the Mirror Universe episode of Star Trek where they would talk about like how how leadership would change over through like assassination, things like that. It, it was uh, it was very different. You know, I've been through that where there's regime change and um, it was never pretty. It was never sometimes I, I was on the I was on the winning side and, you know, eventually I was on the losing side. But but uh, it was never uh, done this way. I, I think it's beautiful. I think it's fantastic um, because there has to be a recognition that the people that are moving out or that are that were in charge have something to offer. They have something valuable um, and they can be learned from. And it's not just this thing of let's just blow the whole thing up just for the hell of it and just bring new people in just for the hell of it and and change everything around, regardless of what readers are used to or what they might like, you know, just change for the sake of change instead of intelligent change. Um, and I think what I'm seeing here is exactly that. It's the intelligent change. It's doing it the right way. It's, it's, it's passing the torch in the right way. And, and uh, you know, not, not what I'm used to seeing, honestly, and it's very refreshing. So it, 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 it definitely helps. It definitely helps that Kevin has this, not only a background in wrestling, but a, a background with PWI in particular. And in, in your case, the people that were succeeding you had no background whatsoever in wrestling or, or WWE. And they, they had their own way of doing a magazine and somehow they, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't privy to how it all came to be, but somehow they, they convinced the folks at WWE that this is the way to go with a magazine now. And yeah. Um, yeah. it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't do it for me. You know, they were, they were very talented people. They would, they, they put out a fantastic product if you like that kind of thing, but it, it didn't do it for me. Yeah, what I saw was, you know, after Barry left in our case, you know, I was sort of kind of unofficially running things for a while, just sort of because there was no there was no one in charge. It was a rudderless ship. And um, I, I I would have loved to have stepped in. But like like you said, they had a totally different vision and they want they brought in all these kind of like New York lifestyle magazine people, literally like Maxim magazine and uh, men's fitness or something like that and all this stuff. And they just turned it into a lifestyle magazine that just sort of tangentially had to do with wrestling. And like you said, those were guys that were not even wrestling fans. A lot of them honestly even had contempt for it. And they sort of kept me around to sort of ground them a little bit and, and, and keep it something that fans would remotely want to see. But but it wasn't like it was just a case of, like I was saying, just blowing things up and just trying to shake things up for no reason. And um, it wound up alienating a lot of readers, I think. And, and uh, again, it, it's not like what you guys what we're doing here at all. I think this is the way that it that it should be done, really, just to, to make it. Uh, something that fans continue to want to read and something you can be proud of, of kind of calling, putting your name on, you know? Well, I mean, peaceful transfer of uh, power aside, what you didn't (laughs) see is we did have a a boxing match. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, uh, how long have you been with the magazine now? uh, 13 and a half years, I think. And and Um, what's your background? We haven't, you know, talked that much about it. It's all over the place. Um, I will say that the, my first, 
professional writing gig was a freelance article for the combination The Wrestler Inside Wrestling magazine. First, first piece out, out of uh, college about a year after. Um, and more or less been contributing since there was a, a short gap where I, I didn't. Um, but I mean, my, my, exp- my work experience has been all over the, the place since then. I mean, I was in civil service for a while, um, but it's more recently been marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing. I, I wrote for television a little bit uh, for a PBS show. So, I mean, really, I, I think that in a lot of ways, what I've done and the skills I've picked up along the way are really benefiting me here. And they have, it sounds like I'm interviewing for the job. I have the job or <laughs> doing that. But no, I, I, I really think it was appropriate because sometimes it felt like, well, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And where is it all leading? Like, what's my career? What, where am I going to end up that I'm really, I feel good about it. And I, and I think this is what it was supposed to be. I mean, even, even the social media marketing, the, fr- the first time I did that, it was running PWI's Twitter with Mike Bessler and, uh, you know, and doing stuff on our Facebook. That was where I, I started and that's what got my foot in the door. And then I started doing that, you know, more formally with, with other, with other places, but it's, it's amazing how every part of my career and every part of my life to, to some degree, I mean, the, the, the magazine's been in the background somewhere and then it, it feels really appropriate for me to be here. Yeah. Um, Everything kind of aligned. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I have a lot of stories here with, uh, I mean, you know, I came, the first time I came into the office to, I think I thought I was interviewing for something, but there wasn't a job for me to interview. It was more like, Harry Burkett was was editor at the the time when I first came in. And he said, you know, you should come in and meet everybody. And and I did. um, And it was great. And then it's like, oh, but also there's not really, you know, I did find out that there's not a job. I, I just thought maybe if there were a job at some point, you could, you could, I'm like, okay, well, that's a little, that's a little disappointing, but I, I enjoy working with the magazine, <laughs> but it was, it was funny because I think I took a train and two or three buses to get here. It's re- geographically not far from where I grew up, but I was still living at home. I didn't have a car. So it was the only way I could get here. This was before Uber, before Lyft. <laughs> um, geez, what, what else? I mean, I don't want to just rattle off every, what, what, what's your commute now? Uh, about 15 minutes really yeah so it's it's really everything worked out yeah down to where my wife and i bought a home i mean really every truly everything was setting me up for this but um, of of course that 15 minutes could turn into 30 when when this all yes over yeah but but, but, i mean even before it was it was about 20 minutes or so it was really not not too bad i mean and uh, it's 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 pretty great yeah um Um, one thing i i thought would be fun again and kind of um maybe comparing two different generations, two different sensibilities, and also getting into um, each of your minds um, as far as wrestling goes is uh, uh, a couple questions uh, about wrestling. And I, I think with Stu in particular, it's funny, you've been there 41 years and, and I think most people would know uh, some of this stuff. Um, what is uh, your favorite match, favorite match you've ever watched? Are you talking to me now? Yes. I would say, this goes back to, I'm not sure if it's, 81 or or 82 and it was um it was tiger mask versus the dynamite kid at madison square garden were you there i was there and i wasn't shooting i was i I remember sitting in this in the stands i was i had a ticket as as you know a comp ticket for some reason and uh you know tiger mask comes in with the 
WWF Junior Heavyweight Championship. And it was like, oh, that's nice, because nobody really thought much of that title at the time. And uh, and I, I never, I had never heard of him. No, people really didn't, that was way before, you know, Japanese wrestling was on the, the radar of American fans, I think. Uh, there was no tape trading. There were no tapes. There, maybe there was, but there was no, there, the tape trading thing really hadn't gotten started yet. And people didn't really know. So this guy comes in and then I think, well, he's, he's got to be good because he's the champion. So cool. Well, this, this other guy that, that I, Dynamite Kid, he'd never been seen before. So I think, all right, he's, he's, I, I kind of gathered that he's the foil. He's the guy that's going to, he travels with the, the champion and he wrestles them everywhere. Like the, like the Washington Generals against the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> and the, the match starts and I, I was blown away. I, I'd never seen the types of moves and it wasn't just from Tiger Mask. It, it was the Dynamite Kid also. And, and, and this guy was every bit as good and it was like, holy crap, this is, what a match. I, I mean, people at the Garden, they were like, they didn't know what to do with themselves because they just never seen this type of style and athleticism in a, in a, in a match, you know, back in those days, you know, you, you throw two, three drop kicks and that was like, wow, that was really big stuff. These guys were all over the place. And I think that match had a huge impact on, on me as a fan. And I think on a lot of people and it's, you know, you can still find it today on YouTube. It's, it's just, it was spectacular. Even it, it holds up to this day where it's, athleticism and and just just brilliance so that, how that was you, how about you kevin i'm guessing you weren't uh, at that match <laughs> i was not at that match i was what year was 81 i don't know if i was born uh, <laughs> uh so i i guess i have two i'll try and be brief about them since there are two um the first is when from when i was growing up was the wrestlemania 6 match with hulk hogan and the ultimate warrior which i i think we, yeah i think we've even spoken about this match before so um I was a huge Hulk Hogan fan growing up. I, Warrior was great too, but Hogan was my guy. And um, I had this habit of rooting for the, the most obvious, like I, my favorite player was always the best player on the team for any sport, you know, that kind of thing. I wasn't very creative about it, but, but Hulk Hogan, it was really a, just like a cathartic thing for me every time he took down the bad guy. So for him to, to have this match with Ultimate Warrior where neither was the bad guy. And then there's just this really emotional display that I think that was one of the first times I saw like the classic handshake hug after the match. And even as a little Hulkamaniac, as hard as it was for me to, to see the ending of that match, I would watch it over and over and over again. Right? And, and I, I don't think I even understood why I did Like, I, I want to see it again. I, I have to rewind it, watch it again. Even though it was emotionally hard for me to see the end of that match, you know, because I was pulling for Hogan so hard. So there was that. The other match would be a lot more recent from takeover. I had to, I was looking it up while Stu was talking because I didn't remember the, the month that it happened, but April, 2018, the Gargano Champa unsanctioned match, which is a very different kind of match. Um, that came during a time when a lot of personal family, professional stuff going on, just kind of a hard time in my life. But, you know, two years ago, um, and that match was just a really cathartic experience in a different way um it was sitting and watching that and realizing wow i forgot how much of an escape even though i was watching wrestling all the time how much it could really take you out of your own head and you could feel something and everything in that match was just resonating with me perfectly at that moment so that would be my other one i think but yeah ask me again if i 
Oh yeah, it was uh, terrific. That was in New Orleans, I believe. But yep, yep, the night before WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, difficult call. If you ask me again in ten minutes, I'll probably say something <laughs> else for the second one. But and I think that that sort of tells the story here, right? It, you know, three matches, early '80s, early '90s, and then just sort of last couple of years. I mean, talking about sort of bridging the generations uh, here. Um, uh, Mount Rushmore of wrestling. That one comes up a lot. Um, so uh, why don't we hear what each of your Mount Rushmores would be? No parameters. Uh, no, no anything. Uh, wrestlers, managers, promoters, whoever. Who, who are the four people on your Mount Rushmore? Yikes. Uh, I, I have to start with, with Bruno. I mean, it begins and ends with him. He was, you know, he was my favorite wrestler and one of my favorite people as I got to know him, just, just amazing. And and he held the belt for, you know, like, I think it was 11 of the first, uh, 14 years of WWF's existence. Uh, so he'd be on there. Uh, how many? How many do I get? That shows my my lack of knowledge of history. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I didn't know this. Somebody pull up a picture of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I believe like, it's four. Again? Four. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I'd say Austin. Stephen Campbell is a sorry. Continue. <laughs> um, Ric Flair and. I guess Andre. So, so Martino, Austin, Ric Flair, Andre. Okay. Interesting. And Kevin? Yeah, this is really hard. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to agree on Austin and Flair. And I think I'll go The Rock and Bret Hart. No Hulk Hogan on either of your lists. It's interesting. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and you I, the Hulkamania. There's reasons for that. I mean, I as a child, I felt differently. <laughs> <laughs> nor John Cena, which I thought maybe would come up fun with. with it's, you know, there's an argument. Um, yeah, you know, that's actually difficult. That's it is very hard. They, they just have to make Mount Rushmore bigger. <laughs> Let's add a few more. <laughs> they, they could have 10 people on there. Very easy question. But with, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not our fault. That's their fault. <laughs> um, all right. I, uh, uh, I, I don't want to. Uh, it's so hard to say goodbye, Stu. So I don't. <laughs> we, D- don't want to let you go. Let's go early. for two more hours. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. I got to. I, I got to say thank you to uh, to several people, and and some of them are on this podcast. All of them are on this podcast. You know that you guys. I, I just. I, I just have such a, you know, just a, a warm feeling for all of you. Um, you know, like what what you guys. I've already spoken about Kevin. What you guys have done with the with the podcast is just phenomenal, and and uh, yeah, I'd be remiss. You know, you, if, if not mentioning Dan Murphy, who was who started the podcast with with Al, uh, I, I miss him tremendously. You know, he was with us for I think twenty two years. Just the most prolific writer in the history of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, I, I th- thank you all so much. I thank. I want to thank. You know, I it, I have to thank the the owner of the company, Mister Nick Carabots, uh, not just for you know, for providing me with a, with a living for these last, you know, 25 years. But, you know, he, he kind of, he kind of saved me because there was a period of time, you know, he, he had sold Pro Wrestling Illustrated and Ring Magazine to Oscar De La Hoya. 
And then, you know, the, we all knew that Oscar had no interest whatsoever in the wrestling magazines. He just wanted ring magazine. And he took, he took PWI because he, that was part of the deal. He had to. And two years later, he just, he went to Mr. Carabas and said, look, I don't, I don't want, I only want the ring. I don't want pro wrestling illustrated. And he didn't understand wrestling. He didn't care about wrestling. And uh, Mr. Carabas said, okay, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that back from you. Uh, he's a, he's a really, really good businessman. I'm sure he got himself a good deal, but part of, part of it and a strong part of it was his feeling for me. I know that. And, um, he, he wanted to make sure that I was taken care of. So he, he, he bought the, he bought pro wrestling illustrated back in, uh, 2009 and I've been here ever since. And the, you know, the, the kicker to the story is two years after that, after 2011, uh, the Ring magazine was moved from from an office here in, in Pennsylvania to California, and um, the Golden Boy people did not give the existing editors even the opportunity to come with them to California. So all the, these really really fine people were, were were out of a job, and I would have been one of those people. So I wow. I really have to express my thanks to uh, to to Mr. Carabots and uh, my direct boss Des McNulty. They, they you know they saved me. So. Uh, you know, like I said in my column, I would have been writing this, this farewell column a, a many years earlier if, if it weren't for them. So I, I really, really appreciate that. And just so many, so many wonderful people who I've met through all the years of doing the magazine. You know, just you know, it just I can't even tell you all the names. I, I leave somebody out. You know, the, the you know the current crop of people. The you know the, the original. You you already know who they are, but the the, the middle group with you know with uh, with Dave. Dave Lanker and, uh, and Frank Cruda, these these people were essential parts of, of the magazine, and um, you know, you know, they they don't get talked about very often, but they were so so vital to the, to the, the all the years that we've had, and and uh, you know, I, I maintain friendships with all of them. Uh, I appreciate everybody. You know, the Dave, Dave Rosenbaum and Chris Bernuka and Bob Smith, and I'm I'm going to get in trouble for leaving out very important people, but. You know, there's, there's just so many people who I've been in contact with for 40 years. It's just, it, I'll, I'll miss every one of them. And, uh, you know, to this day, I miss them all uh, that, that aren't here. There's only, you know, it's it's a kind of weird to be in the office, even even though Kevin is on the other side of the office, just to be working with somebody again. You know, it's always been for the last, I don't even know how, how many years, you know, like at least for the last 10 years, it's my only contact with wrestling people were, you know, were via email and, uh, you know, to have somebody in the, in the office, I could talk to wrestling about is kind of a cool thing again, but it's not going to last much longer. So you know, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin's on his own. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll take a call from you anytime. So, you know, please feel free. Have you given any thought to, to, uh, continuing writing, maybe, maybe penning a, a column semi-regularly, not at all wow. a book. No, no, the, the, nobody would be interested in a book that I wrote, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, just for the reasons that you talked about earlier. I was the guy that was in the office most of the time. I didn't have the experiences that, that like a Bill Abdu would, where he had a lot of interaction with the wrestlers. And that's what people want to read about. They don't want to read about some guy sitting in the, uh, in an office, you know, putting out wrestling and boxing magazines. It's, you know, you and I might find that interesting and, and Brian, but you know, for the average person now, I don't think I don't think anybody's ever going to say to me, "Stu, you got to write about a book book about your experiences." You know, I think 
I think my column is just about as far as I'm going to go with that. <laughs> the last do, you, do you imagine you're going to uh, watch wrestling uh, anymore? I, I, I will flip it on. I will always keep track of wrestling. I will always see what's going on. I, I'm, I, I, I snuck in a, a comp subscription to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, so I'll continue to get the <laughs> magazine. So I'm going to be watching, Kevin. Uh, but uh, yeah, I will flip it on. I will keep track of what's going on. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's sort of in my blood. Uh, you know, it, it all started back when I was 12 years old and I was on a trip to Florida to visit my, uh, my grandparents and my grandfather was a huge, huge wrestling fan. And he took me to the Miami beach auditorium to see wrestling. So we sat there and watched it. And I, I can't tell you, except for one person I, who was on the card, I can't tell you. I'd love to go back and find out the exact date that I was there to see who wrestled, but it was Sailor R. Thomas, and he was this big, muscular guy, and you know he manhandled his opponent, and I was like, wow, this guy is great. I loved it, and I fell in love with, with wrestling, I think, at that point. Uh, so it's, it's sort of in my blood. It was passed down from my, from my grandfather to, to me, and so I'll always have an interest I'll always keep track of it to some degree. I'll, I'll flip it on. I'll, I'll know who the champions are. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, for, for, for my part, um, you know, I can't thank you enough for, for everything um, you've, you've done for me professionally and personally over 13 years uh, now. I, I picked up the phone one day. I was working uh, in the office. You, you and I, uh, the office you once worked at here in Long Island uh, Media, and um, I think I, I emailed you uh, actually. And then within minutes um, you were calling me and we were talking on the phone and, and you gave me that first um, writing assignment as kind of a test about team 3d. Uh, I remember. And uh, that was 13 years ago. And I, I think mine is, is similar to so many other people, my story, including Kevin, which is you grow up a fan, you grow up reading these magazines. They are, sacred right i mean i've got boxes and boxes of them um in my attic and for for everything else i've accomplished um professionally uh in my life i mean that's really sort of my my pride is that my name is in in um, these magazines and and uh, i always say that there's very little i have um hung up on on my walls um from my own work in in um in media over the years and the two things I have and, and they're, they're right over here uh, is the uh, first PWI 500 uh, I worked on framed up and um, that story of, of team 3d. And um, you know, I wouldn't have any of that without you uh, giving me that chance. And, and uh, beyond that uh, just a real terrific editor. And I've worked with dozens and dozens of editors over um, the years and it takes a real special touch um, to to do that well. And you were never shy about, um, you know, telling me the difference between an, an, an M dash and, and a hyphen. And I, I still don't know if I've got that one totally right. Um, or just pointing out little stylistic things or giving me the attaboy pat on the back virtually, usually over an email or a phone call um, and really uh, mentored me, improved my writing. Um, I'd like to think, uh, was a friend for all these years. My, one of my big regrets is that I, I didn't make that trip uh, 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 more than I did. Certainly, the last few years, those first few years, I mean, it was like absolutely one of the, one of the highlights uh, of my year, driving um, for the the annual PWI 500 uh, meeting, and then over the years, we started doing that 
virtually more. Uh, I'll make a point to, to come visit Kevin uh, more going forward. Uh, but again, I just and, and and having me to your home uh, last year, meeting that that lovely wife of yours and eating her delicious food, um, and and after doing that and and um, then hearing your retirement, it made me feel uh, a lot better about it. I think otherwise I would have been totally depressed. But but seeing what you have waiting for you at home uh, uh, made me get it, made me get your decision, and um, really feel happy for you that that you get this opportunity. Thank you. Uh, and Kevin, um, I don't think uh, he could have made a better choice. I think you're absolutely the right guy uh, for the job. I think we Thank see you. it already. Um, looking forward to many, many years with you. Um, I, I do expect that you will uh, be able to facilitate comp tickets as easily <laughs> as uh, Stu. Uh, well, that's a very important part of the job. Um, and I don't Brian, you have anything to, to add? I do actually, and this is something that I really, I don't think I've ever had a chance to do. And I, I wanted to thank Stu because, you know, going back to when, when I was let go from WWE in 2007, I was, one of the things for me was, you know, it had been a dream job for a long time because I, I loved writing about wrestling and I loved being inside that world and everything. The past couple of years were, were kind of rough, but I, I I lost my voice and it and it really kind of, ripped me up that I didn't have an outlet to to reach an audience about wrestling because I I loved doing that for years and you know I was sort of you know out in the desert there for a while in 2007 and I got to thank Frank Fatucci actually because he made the introduction he made the connection because he had worked for PWI before he came to WWE and he I forget how it came about if he thought of it or I asked or whatever but he made the introduction to Stu and really just I've been writing for PWI on and off whenever I can since then. And I want to thank you, Stu, because you gave me a chance to keep writing about something that I loved when I thought I was never really going to be able to do it professionally again. I was ready to just kind of give up on it. And you, you made that that dream that I had kind of keep going. So thank you for that. Really, seriously. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for, I'm glad like, two of the best decisions I've made in over the, over the 40 years were, were hiring Kevin and then also bringing you back into a much more active role. And I think this really kind of goes hand in hand with what Kevin is able to do. And, you know, you, 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 you're do, doing the, uh, the video editorials on the PWI weekly. It's just awesome. Uh, you know, you, you and, Al make a just fantastic pair on the podcast. And this is all really, really important to the future of the magazine because it lets people know that, that PWI should not always be spoken of in the past tense. You know, it's not, it wasn't just the, the, the internet before the internet. It, it wasn't just how wrestlers got known in the eighties and the seventies. It's, it's still a vital part of, of the wrestling business, I think. And, you know, by giving a voice to to people like you, especially on like a, on the podcast, you know you're 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 telling people that you know the PWI you remember was was all well and good, but there's a it's still a very has a very important voice in the industry, and this is a sampling of what you could expect in the magazine as well. So you know by having you know the, the your presence and, and Al's presence and and Kevin's innovations. To, to bring wrestling to a, to a, a new media, it, it definitely brings 
fans back to the magazine that gives them a second look at it and say, you know what, this is, this is still pretty good. And, and uh, you know, we're, I'm very proud of the magazine. I, I just, I wish that we had the kind of uh, readership that we might've had in the eighties, but I, I still see potential. You know, the print industry is a major challenge right now, but you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, you know, our subscrip- subscriptions grow every year. We're, we're doing very well on that front. And um, you know, I think that w- with the, the staff and the contributors that we have, it's just going to flourish into the future. I think I should add to Sue for, first of all, as Brian and Al said, thank you so much for not only giving, trusting me to take this position over from you, which is the highest honor, but as I mentioned, you, you were the first person that gave me any kind of writing work out of college. If I, if that hadn't happened, I mean, who knows? I could, I would be, might be miserable working in a job I hate right now. And it's could not be more opposite. Um, and I will say that, you know, with everything that's been going on and I was at home for a while. And I mean, I think that was necessary for a bit until we, we figured out what was, how to do this safely. Um, you know, I was still just so happy to be doing this job and learning from you. Um, but one thing I did say, I was like, you know, I mean, the world's a mess right now, uh, but I'm so happy in a lot of ways. But one thing that really bums me out is, I, I miss being in there with Stu every day and talking to him and catching up. And I mean, sometimes now even, you know, we're in different parts of the office. I'm making excuses to kind of go over your way because I want to catch up. But, you know, I mean, and we're standing at a distance and I'll, I'll put my mask on when I'm over there. Um, but it's it's been a real honor. And, you know, thank you again. And I just hope I make you proud. I'm sure you will. You already are. You already are. So. Keep it up. That, well, before we all break down in tears here. <laughs> yeah, it's close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stu, best of luck in, in all you do. Uh, enjoy your retirement. Um, Kevin, congrats once again. We'll be working together uh, for the foreseeable future, I hope. Uh, and Brian, you and I uh, will be back here on the podcast, I'm sure, uh, before long, uh, plugging uh, away. Uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll be back soon. Bye-bye.